to be clear, and I agree with everything you just said, Jeremy. It, the comparison to a Times to a Times Square, Town Square. <laughs> It doesn't Times work. Square is a much, much better example. Have you stood in Times <laughs> Square? What you get is a bunch of massive screens that a bunch of companies have paid for blaring stuff at you. People walking past you the whole time, you're worried about being pickpocketed. Someone tries to sell you a massively overpriced hot dog and you can't talk to your mates because it's too loud. Times Square is exactly what it bloody well is. <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> And welcome to Season 3, Episode 45 of Bad Voltage. It's great to have you all here. And the three of us are back together. We've had a little bit of variance in in, in the crew recently due to travel and various other things going on. But I'm here with Stuart Ian Langridge and, of course, Jeremy Elon Garcia. (laughs) A little foreshadowing, although you could have picked Kimball or one of the funny kids' names. (laughs) (laughs) Right. There is, yeah. Um, so anyway, so uh, what are we going to talk about on this? So, I mean, it's obvious what we're going to talk about, but <laughs> yeah. we might as well say it anyway. Language, what are we going to talk about? There is literally <laughs> only one topic, and this is important because um, a couple of months ago, uh, we, um, after the various trials and tribulations which happened to the Bad Voltage recording process at the beginning of this year, we finally managed to get it together enough to put together our predictions for the year show. In which one of my predictions was, and I was mocked roundly for this by you two, and we are less than two months on from that, and one of my <laughs> predictions was, someone will buy Twitter. And you laughed at me, laughed, I tell you, like Galileo. And we did. I feel now, I would like to talk about the fact that someone's going to buy Twitter, just like I told you they would. I maybe, don't like any maybe. of this, by yeah, the way. <laughs> Least favourite intro in a while. Yeah, well. I was going to say for the people who are critical of Elon buying Twitter, the it was more critical is what the worst thing is that you got something right in the bad part. I'll tell you, you wait, you've got till the end of the year, and Apple are going to allow side loading and reg- other browsers as well. Having seen the EU's latest leaked upcoming uh, paper, that, but that that's that's like a whole separate show, show yeah. for later in the and year. And it seems the VR headsets have slipped to next year, by the way, which is not great. Anyway, carry on. So, um, Jeremy. You probably got a better, the best understanding of us of the details of the deal, I think. So, sure. I, I, emergent, M&A stuff tends to just make my head explode when I try and read it. So do you want to summarize? And this really is a, a fascinating journey that is, if nothing else, on brand for the rest of what he does. So he, he initially acquired a, a small stake and then rapidly accelerated that stake to roughly 9% of the company. When you acquire that much of a company, you have to fill out a bunch of forms with the SEC, which as anyone who follows anything to do with Musk knows that I think the SEC at this point, like half of their enforcement division is called like Musk division. Uh, (laughs) As I understand it, they still have to approve some I, of his tweets because of the consent but, decree, which so when is still you, going on. When you when you acquire that much of a company, you basically have to say this is a passive investment, or I am an active investor who wants to either get a board seat or acquire it or, or what what have you. One, he filled out the paperwork that he was acquiring this much at all late, which is not legal because as you're acquiring this, it obviously impacts the price. So people, it's want public disclosure. So he, he, not only was he late on that, he filled it out that it was a passive uh, acquisition. Uh, 
So it's like I said, failed to report it on time, got invited to join the board, turned that board seat down, and then bam, now is buying uh, buying the company outright, which is not an, exactly a passive investment. So <laughs> the, the details here are he's offered uh, 54.20 a share. The memes continue like he had to work 420 into this somehow. So kudos to him for, <laughs> for uh, roughly $44 billion, which is a 38% premium over the share price before it was revealed that he had been buying the stock at all. A much smaller uh, than sometime since then it's become cl- much closer, of course. Uh, but keep in, keep in mind, less than a year ago, Twitter was at like 70 some dollars. So uh, not, not a huge win depending on when he bought Twitter. So according to the filings that are available now and note, uh, these, it's a weird time to record. We're recording this on a Wednesday, the 27th. Twitter's earnings are actually tomorrow. So it will be interesting to see what happens there. <laughs> uh, so that will be after the show is released, but he's going to pay about $13 billion in bank loans that are backed by Twitter. A, Twelve and a half billion uh, in margin loans against his Tesla stock, and twenty-one billion dollars in cash. The source of that twenty-one billion dollars has not been released in any filing yet, although it, it may be by the time you hear this. Uh, some speculations that he's going to syndicate the deal. Some other speculations he's going to do some other things. Uh, it, it may also sell some of his stock in, in SpaceX or other companies as well. If you look at Twitter's free cash flow on operating activities, it was about six hundred thirty million dollars in twenty twenty-one, which would Barely, barely cover the the interest payment on that thirteen billion. So he will, in effect, almost spend every bit of cash Twitter makes just paying off the interest on the thirteen billion dollar loan that he he's taking out. So uh, pretty interesting set of find. Wild that some guy on a joke can just buy Twitter. Um, but but also what's interesting <laughs> is given where he is on on the margin loan on that twelve and a half billion, if Tesla falls. A little bit under seven hundred bucks. Uh, he actually will will dip into that margin in a way that is pretty painful. So, uh, Twitter as volatile as Tesla stock is, that doesn't seem outside the realm of possibilities. It's in the nine hundreds now. So, we'll be fascinating to see how this uh, impacts Tesla stock as well. Well, it has already dropped fifteen percent. So Tesla is down a hundred billion dollars in value. I mean, already. tech in general is getting slammed this week. So uh, Tesla is on the more volatile end of the tech spectrum. <laughs> It's, yeah. it, it's almost like the bloke who runs it is on the more volatile end of the text. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, indeed. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? Like if you look at him as an individual, um, everybody thought he was nuts with all of these things that he did, right? Like Tesla, he didn't just make electric cars. They rebuilt the concept of a car and like the gigafactories and everything. What they've done with SpaceX, clearly his appetite for big problems is there. And he's been very successful in solving them. But man, Twitter? <laughs> I think this may be the biggest challenge he's ever faced. So uh, it's as interesting from, and let's get into whether we think this will happen or other things in a second. But from a, just if you're Elon Musk, this is almost a weird one to me because right now his public reputation is like of a roguish, almost cartoonish on SNL entrepreneur revered for, like you said, making electric cars cool and, landing yeah, spaceships yeah. Uh, doing things that NASA couldn't do in in this era because of funding and, and other things but reviving twitter while also honoring his promises to restore its commitment to free speech is like there is no win there in a way that i the reputational damage seems real to me but yeah going to be interesting well and the thing is within within places like tesla and spacex there's there's a more constrained set of variables, right? I mean, they're really hard variables, like like Tesla, for example. He had to bring in the right kind of designers and engineers to to do that, and then 
you know, how to build all the superchargers and then all the legal elements to that. But when you're dealing with a platform with so many different people and so many different voices, those variables, it's going to be fascinating to see how this pans out. So also Tesla and SpaceX, to your point, they're engineering problems and Twitter most certainly is not an engineering problem. <laughs> and, uh, they are at the point at which he got involved with those companies. I mean, I believe he, he bought Tesla, but SpaceX was he just created from the ground up, I think. But I'm not sure about that. Um, but there wasn't anything there. So if he'd done it and failed, like take the boring company or whatever, or Neuralink or whatever, if you if you try them and they're a big whiff, whatever, right? There wasn't anything there to begin with. Twitter already works. I have issues with the way it works, but it already works. Yep. Taking it over now, there's a strong chance you can make it worse. You can't make SpaceX worse than it was because it wasn't anything before. Yeah. That's a good point. So I guess let, let's start with two things. Do we think this will actually happen? The risk premium right now, well, let, let me look. Uh, <laughs> so as of the minute of this recording, we're at 48.50, which is substantially below 54.20. So there's some amount of chance that it won't happen. So it could be Musk could change his mind. I think the walk away is a billion on his side. Uh, Twitter could change their mind. Again, I think the walk away is a billion. Twitter could implode yeah. to a point that they don't exist, which seems unlikely on the timelines given Musk's financing could fall through, which given the volatility of Tesla stock, small chance, but could happen. There wasn't a, there wasn't a shop clause, but a higher bidder could come out of nowhere given how public this is. Seems unlikely, uh, but regulators could also block the deal, or sh shareholders could say no. Those seem like the six-ish options. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are some constraints about some of that stuff. So, like you said, there, there's um, there's a billion dollar bail clause if he just if he just decides that he's got bored with this plan, which is you know not beyond the realms of possibility. No, very much he pays he pays a billion to walk away um he's allowed to tweet about it <laughs> but he's not allowed to insult twitter while he's doing it and now what the the, the other thing is I, I i don't quite understand it so he's guaranteed part of the termination fee himself personally so, because as I understand it, and this is part of the stuff that I don't really understand, um, he doesn't actually just go to the Twitter board and just give them a suitcase full of money, right? He creates a company. With, it's I'm called not like X something, I'm assuming, after one of his kids. Yeah, he, create, he creates a company with a certain amount of assets in it, and then that company merges with Twitter or takes over or something. Yeah. But if he pulls out of the deal and then goes, oh, turns out... Um, Twitter X, the company that I created, doesn't have any assets, so you don't get the billion dollars now. Twitter, he has to make up that money himself personally. He can't. Just, yep. it, there doesn't seem to be any kind of financial jiggery pokery to get out of this. Um, and yeah, like you said, there's a bunch of stuff around. If Twitter have flat up lied about things, like they're just they're not allowed to sell themselves, and they're not allowed uh, if they've got a big court case coming down no the pipe, he, he skipped which, due, he explicitly skipped due diligence which is mind-blowing yeah it is it's not a thing like i'm gonna spend 44 billion dollars you want due diligence no it's cool if they've lied about it he gets out i don't think if there's something coming and he didn't check he gets out but if they told him there wasn't and there is 
but they didn't tell him anything. He explicitly declined due diligence. So anything that's public information because they're a public company, he obviously had access to. But usually before you spend $44 billion, you sign an NDA and you get access to a bunch of information that isn't public, but is material. And it's a, it's a long process, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, if I, if I, if I tell a shop I'm going to buy a pie tomorrow, they're not allowed to sell my pie to some other bloke tomorrow afternoon first. And that seems a reasonable thing, regardless right. of what you're purchasing. So that's okay. So yeah, the, the deal doesn't seem anything particularly odd. I don't think. No one seems to be raising any red flags about the way it's structured or that there's anything unusual or strange. It seems to be a standard merger. It's done very quickly out of no... Aside from the fact that instead of a company buying a company, it's just a billionaire who, on a whim, decided to buy a a company. It's structured very standard M&A, for sure. But that's because there aren't that many oligarchs around, right? You know, this is like um, uh, Standard Oil or something like that, right? There aren't that many people who are in a position to do this, and therefore it's not common just because of that. So if we assume for the moment that it goes through, sure. yeah, then Elon Musk is going to be the king to it. Um, <laughs> um, That's like the kindest name anyone's going to call him after this. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> Man, he's already trolling on Twitter. Did you see his most recent tweet? The Bill Gates one? The Bill Gates one was ridiculous. Uh, uh, no, I yeah, didn't he's got see the, so there's there's one out that came out an hour ago as we record this, which was he went on the when um, uh, Jack Dorsey and oh what was her name uh, Vijaya Gad, who was their general counsel at Twitter, when they went on Joe Rogan's podcast, they went on with this guy called Tim Pool, who just seems to be seems to troll a lot of people, and I'm not going to explain the tweet, but there's basically an image that's that's trolling that whole discussion. Um, so he he is kind of trolling uh, as he's going through this process, and then yeah, like you said, there was something about um, Bill Gates. Uh, Bill Gates was shorting Tesla stock, yet wanted him to invest in some philanthropic things. And Elon Musk very much sees his his work as philanthropic in nature, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, that's a whole separate question about whether it is or it isn't. <laughs> yeah, I have opinions, <laughs> but I, I have no doubt that you have opinions. Uh, so the question in my mind is, presuming he does um, that, that it all goes through, do we feel like there is the likelihood that Twitter is going to get better or worse or, or remain the same? And I want to read something out. There was a Verge article, and I thought this was interesting given our interest in open source. He said, and I quote, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. I also want to make Twitter better than ever. By, enhan- by enhancing the product with new features, make- making the algorithms open source to increase trust, defeating the spam bots and authenticating all humans. And to me, the most interesting element of that statement was making the algorithm open source. Because with all of the social media networks, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, and all the rest of it, it, it the algorithm, the algorithm is everything, right? It's like, as we talked about in previous shows, it's well known that uh, Facebook, the algorithm of Facebook rewards um, activity in comments, and therefore conflict tends to get uh, risen up by the algorithm because that engages a lot of discussion, right? And 
to me, the idea of, we've never really talked about this in the past, but the idea of these social media network algorithms being open source, I think is fascinating. Because if you know how the algorithm works, on one hand, there is more transparency. But on the other hand, if you know how the algorithm works, then you've kind of got the keys to the castle. And therefore, it's going to completely get people are going to game the system because they know how the algorithm works. For sure. So that that I, to me is fascinating. You see, I don't even think the division's like that. I think what you've described there is uh, is half true. Um, and knowing how the algorithm works, what does that buy you? Right? Imagine I say to you, here's the AI model that Twitter uses. You can now simulate what your home timeline will look like. But you can't because an AI model, or let's call it an ML model and be real. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it requires the full data set to know what's going to be the output. And they're also not going to give you their full data set. So it's still not going to matter. Agreed. But spot me for the moment, you have all of that. Okay. Right? You can at that point accurately simulate what your home timeline will look like because it knows all the inputs that, that you've given it. Um, you can then, but you don't need their algorithm to be open source to simulate what your home timeline looks like because you can just look at twitter.com to see what your home timeline looks like. And you can't actually use an ML model to predict why you got a thing that you did. We do not, this is what we were talking about in the last show. We do not know how to do that. Meanwhile, you are giving that to people who will use it to experiment in how to. This is, this is a Google Black Hat SEO. 2004 edition yep. weaponized only bad people will get any use out of this well the reason why i'm saying that i think this is interesting is because there are certain like social media professionals today know certain things that work to try and get their posts get more prominence right yeah and some of it's just what human beings are interested in and some of it is an attempt to try and trick the algorithm yes right so um to use an example which is a different type of social media network with spotify right it's well known in the music world that if you get your song on a ton of playlists and people start listening to it it will then kind of kickstart the algorithm and then spotify will start recommending your music to other people so a lot of people focus on playlists now it's harder to do that on something like twitter because nobody really knows how the algorithm works so therefore the things that work well on twitter are things that human beings tend to pay attention to. Like, uh, it's well known that if you put square images on there that are high contrast, it's more likely that someone's going to click on it because social media is interrupt-driven. What I'm saying is, if you know how the algorithm works, on one hand, that's good because it opens up transparency. But on the other hand, people will then know all of the tricks that they can use to get their content above the fold. And and that's a whole separate set of What I'm saying is, when you say it's good for transparency... I don't even think it is. I think it is only useful and good for people who want to game the algorithm. It makes it easier to game the algorithm for literally no benefit to the rest of us. Because everyone talking about, we want the algorithm to be open source, we want to be able to see what the algorithm is, we want transparency, is thinking about this like it's been written by a person. They want to see the line of code in there which says, Don't show Jono stuff about guitars. Show him stuff about things he should buy. Right? Because they're thinking it's been crafted to bugger you up and they want to stop that. But that's not how it works. Well, and I think there's a certain segment, especially in the US, of people who think they're being silenced in a way that it's probably uh, almost certainly not true on the algorithm. I have a great example of that. So I saw someone um, posting a tweet from um, some random 
uh, person saying, for years, my tweets have been suppressed. My ability to trend topics, which I regularly did, was nerfed. And my followers were drip-drained over time. This was done in the shadows, in secret, and denied. Suddenly, my analytics are changing. It's like a switch got flipped. But here's the point. The switch hasn't been flipped. Nothing has changed yet, right? I mean, how do you know there's not an if, if, ek, then negative 10 on everything? (laughs) It's just, I mean... Shareholders haven't voted on it. He hasn't even bought it yet. Certainly they haven't changed any of the code or the algorithms yet. The idea that you are being oppressed is imaginary. All I'm I'm saying is that I think one of the great benefits of open source is that when anything is open source, it increases transparency. Now, the practical implications for the user base is a separate question. I think given how important Twitter is, to human discourse, that first part of, of Elon Musk's quote, uh, that quote I read out about free speech being the bedrock of a functioning democracy and Twitter is the digital town square. I could not agree more with him. I, I think he's absolutely right about that. Uh, the, the thing is, in, in an actual town square, which for a long time was the place where information dissemination happened, you knew the one person to ignore and to be there, you had, or to have a voice, you had to be there. Now it's troll farms from all parts of earth who are magnified in a way that it, it is not the town square. And and I know that's like, it's a good soundbite and it sounds good and it's not unreasonable until you actually think about it, which is a lot of Musk's thing here is like kind of reasonable until you actually think about it. So he wants to have the absolutist free speech, but get rid of bots, but bots like them or not are part of free speech by definition. If you want to be a free speech maximalist, you can't get rid of bots and you certainly can't authenticate all humans. So like the things that he say, don't even agree with the things that he says in a three sentence paragraph. To be, to be, to be clear, to be clear. And I agree with everything you just said, Jeremy, the comparison to a times to a times square town square it doesn't Times work. Square is a much, much better example. Have you stood in Times <laughs> Square? What you get is a bunch of massive screens that a bunch of companies have paid for blaring stuff at you. People walking past you the whole time. You're worried about being pickpocketed. Someone tries to sell you a massively overpriced hot dog and you can't talk to your mates because it's too loud. Times Square is exactly what it bloody well is. <laughs> yes. So where, where I think, where I think that he... No notes. <laughs> where, where, I, where i where i where i think that he is right is that um a lot twitter is a for right rightly or wrongly twitter is a it is a place where human beings discuss and engage with each other now there's all kinds of flaws with it which we have gone into ad nauseum in the past right um but i think that he's right that um twitter is important to humanity and in it and it and it and it doesn't work as well as it should do. And in my mind, open sourcing large chunks of that, I can't see it not helping. That's all I was saying about that piece. The question is, and he mentions obvious ones like defeat, defeat and spam bots and authenticating all humans, but what do we think? Right. When you said the worst thing to you was something else, the thing which triggered me uh, to think about this is the authenticating all humans. What Would did you- I say was the worst thing? No, the thing that stood well, out to you was the open yes, source algorithm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, oh, the, okay. yes. Sorry, yeah, okay. sorry, no, yeah, not the worst thing. The thing which um you seized upon as the most important thing about what he was saying okay, was open sourcing yeah. the algorithm. No. The thing which I seized upon was authenticating all humans. And have we not got past the idea that you should have to provide your driving license to post something? It doesn't keep away bad actors, it does keep away good actors. Stop asking people for it. 
Stop asking people for what? Authentication of their humanity. Because it's always a thing which a bunch of people have something of and some people don't. And then they don't get to have a Twitter account anymore. But to be more specific, what are you talking about specifically? Okay, so when you say authenticate all humans, how are you going to do it? There already are captures. Every time someone says authenticate all humans, it means something like, I'm going to make you post under your real name. I'm going to make you upload your driving license or your passport or something like that. I'm I'm going to make you give over your home address or a credit card number or something like that. This is a terrible idea. Stop asking for it. And and that that to me is the thing. And, And there's a bunch of, yeah. There's a bunch of pushing like bots are going to go away. And the problem is not that something is posted by a program. It's when that pretends to be a human, right? The idea of um you can't have bots or we're not going to allow anyone to have more than one bot or something. All these ones which do things like post what the weather is in your town every morning or when the buses are coming. They're great. What's wrong with that? <laughs> So I almost think open sourcing the algorithm to me and getting rid of all bots are, are almost diametrically opposed in their goals because the people most interested in the open source algorithm will be researchers and people writing bot farms, 100%. Yes. So well, I, like Reddit, I, yes. even when Reddit was open source, the spam part of that algorithm was never open source. They they no. d- excluded so, that portion. Yep. And, and I think Jeremy's point there is there was a – I think open sourcing the algorithm is going to look like open sourcing a game engine, right? In that, in theory, you have enough to reconstruct things, but you don't actually have the data, so you can't play the game. And this is going to be the same. The algorithm, which uses their big data set to make decisions, is not. It's not only that it's not useful; it's probably not even that interesting. I suspect if you wandered up to an actual ML person and said, what does Twitter's algorithm look like? If I gave you their data set, how would you use that to derive what someone's home timeline would look like? They could probably sketch out the basics of it in an afternoon. The algorithm is not interesting. The data set is interesting, and they are not going to publish that. So am I the only one that views Twitter chronologically and turns the algorithm off completely? I've I've, I've turned off um, home, and I use latest tweets. Yes, absolutely. I just use that as it is. Although I don't look at home all that often. I, I mean, it's. I absolutely do not want the thing which decides what I should be looking at. No. So I think what would potentially, <laughs> to me, be more interesting, although I agree with you, John, I think open sourcing it would, from through a certain lens, be very interesting. Them making it an open protocol where you could choose your client, which could choose its policies, I think that would be more interesting to me turning this into almost an open ecosystem where you could have a, an, if you had one client that wants to really be free speech maximalist and not have anything fine, but if you wanted to have one that was more the current Twitter, cool. If you wanted to have one that was something completely different, fine. So there would be no Twitter experience. The Twitter, the experience would really be dictated by the client and you could write any client I think would be interesting. So this is, this is going back to how it was six, seven, eight, nine years ago, where there was the Twitter API, anyone could write a client, you got lots of people doing different experiences, and Twitter systematically killed all that, presumably because they realised they don't have a business model unless they can in, unless they, unless they can insert things into your experience that someone else has paid them for, right? This is one of the fascinating things about the acquisition. Musk was very clear and explicit that he does not care about the ec- economics of this at all. 
Yeah, so he's 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 going to operate it as a public service, which, and he has talked about uh, uh, maybe um, uh, opening up the APIs again, and that, from my point of view, is great. Back to it how it was in twenty ten, twenty twelve. So you, so there is a standard set of APIs. They're not suppressing people from getting access to it. They're not trying to de facto ban third party clients. That all seems good because then, as you say, people can create a Twitter experience, which is how they like. Um, if your business model is we have to insert tweets into your experience, you cannot allow people to write Twitter clients that work the way they like because everyone will just strip out your business model. Yes. The tricky thing in my mind, to me, there's a giant, overwhelming elephant in the room with all of this. Like, because there is, there, there is, I mean, there is all the individual bits we're talking about, whether they open source the algorithm, whether they open up the APIs, there's things like, you know, whether people can edit, Do we get edit tweets afterwards. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's like a, a timed edit feature, things like that. To me, the giant elephant in the room here, which I'm very curious to see how this gets resolved, a lot of this was illustrated when, uh, when Trump had his Twitter account, which was um, one is what is defined as acceptable speech on the platform. And I, I don't think any of us really understand Elon Musk's position on this or what his team are going to have. Um, and then the second thing is the role of, mis- of facts and misinformation. You know, like when uh, Twitter started applying those little notes on some of Trump's tweets to basically say, like, this is this is not true, whatever. Um, my gut feeling here is that Elon Musk is 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 of the view that um, it's your own personal responsibility to do your research and to determine whether something's right or wrong or not. To to do the fact checking yourself as opposed to depend on somebody else. We all know that a lot of people don't do that. And that also requires a certain amount of, you know, privilege, right? You you need to be able to have the resources to be able to go and, and do fact checking. And not everybody's got those resources. That to me is the elephant in the room. They can add all of these features. But what I want to figure out is how do, how does Musk's Twitter create a place where you can have, where reasonable people can have reasonable debates and disagreements about things in a way that's, fair for everybody, right? Without it turning into a shit show. He's been explicit about his definition. He has. He's actually pinned it, I think. By free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. I am against censorship that goes far beyond the law. If people want less free speech, they will ask governments to pass laws to that effect, which, okay. Uh, therefore, going beyond the law is contrary to the will of the people. But if, if, so, Yeah, I've seen that, but I... I still don't know what that looks like well, no, in I mean, my mind. I, I, in the I, I think it's fairly obvious and clear what it looks like. It looks like um, you are not allowed to refer to Taiwan as Taiwan. You call it the Republic of China because that's the law. The law where? China. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's what we're talking about, right? I mean, if anyone's got a law against anything, it's no longer allowed on the platform. That clearly what you mean. Because he can't possibly mean the law according to Americans. Why not? Because he's talking about Twitter being a thing for all mankind, not just yeah, the people but if, who live if, in America. If, if, the, if the company is an American company, then he may be assuming that he's referring to. We may assume that he's referring to American. Why law. would we assume that? He's talked about it being a thing for all mankind. But this is my just point. Like you've said. Yeah. This is this is my point. We don't know. No, like he's put that tweet out about it matching the law. That's why I'm saying I don't know what he means by this. But either way, to your to your to your earlier point, misinformation is not illegal disinformation no. is not illegal to my knowledge yeah. yes. anywhere 
Well, even even like even even slander varies massively across right. different yeah. country, like but different countries. I, I think the thing is, and there's a lot of naivety that moderation is is easy. And having run a not very yes. large site that is nowhere near on the scale of Twitter, even for something like LQ, moderation is unbelievably complex. You're all someone's yes. always going to feel like they were silent. Someone's always going to be mad. Someone's always going to think you didn't go far enough. Like the it's yes, it's amazing the. Uh, how nuanced it's a no-win situation. Yeah. But the one thing I will say is if you go the free speech route, I think everything ends like 8chan in the end with no exceptions. Like it's it's always going to devolve because that's just – it's so easy to be a troll on the internet. And trolls, some of them are so persistent and it's it just uh, – it almost is amazing that I think in the end that's the only thing that could happen. It would be a shame for that to happen to Twitter. Well, and this is the other uh, flavor of elephant, I guess you could say, <laughs> is, um, you know, Accu raised the point about authenticated human beings, right? So I don't think anybody wants 4chan, right? Um, I don't think Elon Musk would want 4chan. And the problem with one of the major problems with 4chan is it's a completely anonymous world, right? It's a completely anonymous world. Now, the, the far extreme other side of that coin is where, to your concern, Ak, you have to put your passport details and your driving license in to have an account on on Twitter, which would be bad as well for lots of different reasons. Like, you know, some of them being that dissidents, for example, wouldn't be able to do that. Um, so how do you, in my mind, there's going to have to be some kind of identity in Twitter where you can tie a human being to an identity, even if that identity, if, even if that's like a, a pseudonym. I'm not suggesting that people should be putting driving license in or anything like that. But the ultimate definition of free speech could be you can have a Twitter account that's completely anonymous um, um, and there is no pseudonymity there at all. But there's a big question there in my mind is what is the role between words and identity? And I don't think we know what that means with there him as well. There is no way of tying an account to an identity while having that person not be threatened by their identity being known. It's not possible. It's, right. it's not something we can assume out of existence. You you either go, everyone has to prove their identity, which means we're going to cut off people who can't do that, or anyone who's not prepared to do that, or you have to say, people will be able to set up two accounts and pretend they're two different people. It cannot be avoided. This is like maths. And this, I think, is some of the problem with this that first of all there have been a bunch of studies there seem to be um the idea that if you make people uh publish stuff under their real name they will feel ashamed of the terrible things that they write and will stop doing it and it is not the case at all they seem to be the sort of pervasive view that this will be a good way of um causing the discussions to remain uh not friendly, but courteous, you know, that people wouldn't be uh, downright abusive and leave death threats and make people's lives misery if they were doing it with their own real name on it. And that's not the case at all. There have been tons of studies about this now because I used to think that. I used to honestly think, okay, maybe that's the way. I don't like the idea of proving it, but maybe the answer is then you don't get to have a Twitter account. Okay. You're not obliged to have a Twitter account. This seems a shame to sacrifice that, but maybe Twitter is the place where you have um, discussions with real names. And a bunch of people stood up against that. And I was like, but maybe this is what we need in order to preserve civility in discourse. And then a bunch of studies were like, no, doesn't apply at all. Not even slightly. 
So leaving aside the risk to people, it doesn't even work. I, I mean, I haven't read any of those studies, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, I, um, I could dig up some next. But, but, but um, and, and again, like, I think there are clear and obvious problems with requiring people to authenticate themselves with something like a driving license or a passport. Because, you know, journalists, dissidents, um, just people people who um just people who want to live in in that in a, in, a, in a more anon- uh, so, anonymous so, climate thinks it's none of your damn business somebody wants to write yeah. erotic fan fiction right there's no reason why i should have to put my real name on stuff i do on the internet there's, yeah there's many there's many reasonable justifications for that outside of like well trolls don't want to do that but it wouldn't surprise me as a lot like trying to predict musk's kind of thought process if his view is if free speech is defined by the law, whatever law we're talking about, if the logical follow-on from that is that free speech is something that is enjoyed by someone who's willing to take responsibility for their own words, ergo, therefore, you need to have an identity on the platform. It wouldn't surprise me if that's his thought process, which is flawed for lots of reasons, but... I think, and we've seen uh, quite a lot of people talk about how they think Twitter's going to get worse because of this, and... I think I approximately agree. I can absolutely imagine a world in which Musk's view is, okay, what we want to do is, um, uh, I think I'm going to talk about this bigger town square, even though it's a misleading analogy. I want people to be able to have conversations. The way I think that should happen is that people need to prove their identity to the platform, and we're going to allow people to say anything as long as it's not actually illegal. At which point, I think Twitter is going to be seriously, measurably worse when that happens. Right? Yeah. <laughs> At that point, we will have a world which, in my opinion, um, people are th- th- in which the Nazis come back. Right? <laughs> they are um, uh, people who feel like that are not prevented from saying it, and they don't feel shamed out of saying it. And currently, they're not allowed to because Twitter blocks them, and that will change. That is a move for the worse in almost everyone's opinion, other than people who want more hate speech on the platform. Uh, well, and that is, in my mind, is like the 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 most uh, in focus manifestation of the elephant in the room. Right? Yeah. Is that if if you take free speech to its logical conclusion, the argument could be. Yes, you can have white supremacist bullshit on the platform, and um, you know it, you just ignore it because that's the ecosystem that you operate in. Uh, Twitter today is clearly not taking that viewpoint and gets rid of a lot of that shit in the platform, and that to me is like where I just don't know where they're going to land. Because on one hand, I think we'd all agree people being able to have a variance of ideas and reasonable people disagreeing with reasonable people is good, but then. Hate speech is not good, but hate speech by definition steps up, you know, is within the tent of free speech, right? So I honestly do not know whether he wants that. He doesn't care about whether it happens or not, or he thinks that it won't happen and he's just not listening to all the people who are going, the ideas you've outlined do not lead to the conclusions you would like to lead them to lead to. I'd be surprised if he hasn't thought of it and doesn't think it's going to happen. I bet you anything his view is um, people need to take responsibility for themselves. I bet that's his view. I bet he's like, if there's hate speech on the platform, don't look at it. One of his stated goals was maximally trusted and broadly inclusive. And I don't think you accomplish either of those 
with that method- with that methodology. You can't. Right. You can't possibly. No. And honestly, <laughs> I mean, this is he has known form with not actually acting like this in his own personal life. Someone got a uh, a Tesla and wrote a bad review of it, so they took it away. <laughs> This is not the behaviour of someone who's open to the idea of there should be criticism and open. Oh, no. So his record on free speech is actually kind of hilarious and not in a good way. So that I wasn't even going to get into that. So California venture capitalist had his Tesla Motors Model X order cancelled after he wrote about a badly run launch event. He added, I must also admit that I'm a little taken aback to be banned by Tesla. When I wrote a a blog post about my BMW X1 called My Car Fake Makes Me Feel Stupid, (laughs) the CEO of BMW didn't take the car back. And Musk went, must be a slow news day if denying service to a super rude customer gets this much attention. Where super rude customer is apparently now defined as a motoring journalist who didn't like the car. (laughs) Right? That, Right. That, to me, if thinking that doing that is okay and a reasonable thing to do and is so boring that the media shouldn't even bother writing about it. This is not the guy who I want deciding what free speech is on the platform. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I, 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 th- I think you're conflating two different things, but anyway. That's- Reeling this one back in a little bit, I guess. Do yeah. given So we were going under the presumption that this did close in this argument. Do, yes. do we think yeah. there will be material changes after he takes... Uh, control, or do we think things will run mostly as normal? And given the answer to that, do you think Twitter will be the same-ish, better, or worse? Oh, there'll be changes, all right, I suspect. <laughs> Part of me thinks there'll be almost no changes, but I can't tell. He's so erratic that it's... <laughs> the, the, the thing... Yeah, to me, there are two things here. The first one is whether he gets bored of this before it happens. At which point, there may be no changes. He may just buy it, but because it takes six months for the stagger time one before he gets to do anything, maybe he's thought about something else, and now he's trying to build the world's biggest blancmange or something, and so he's not even thinking about Twitter anymore. <laughs> so he just got bored of the plan. At, at which point, nothing will change. Now he's just the guy who owns Twitter, or whatever, doesn't matter. That might happen. The other thing is what he's going to do about the hate speech stuff. So according to Hope Not Hate, a whole bunch of existing right-wingers are salivating and are uh, setting themselves up accounts again under the assumption they're going to be allowed back on. Now, that might not be the case. He might start listening to all the people going, what are you doing? Listen, this is a really bad idea. And then go, I'm not going to do this. At which point, a bunch of his ideas, I would like there to be time-limited editing for a little bit, and I would like to open up the APIs, and I don't care about making money. Twitter Twitter should be run like a public service. Are all things that I'm broadly in favour of. Great. Do that. That seems good. Just yep. don't try and use it as a vehicle for what you think free speech is, Elon Musk. Yep. And then we're good. This, this 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 is my prediction. I know we're about out of time, but um I think there will be changes. Um and I think some of them will be good and some of them will be bad. I think it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is Musk is not going to be run this himself. He's going to hire somebody who he's going to know and trust to be, to be managing this. And he's going to be involved every week with updates and all the rest of it. But I think one thing is a hundred percent certain is that you, Stuart Langridge, are going to start fucking really hating Twitter. Interesting. Because one, you don't like big companies as it is. You don't like billionaires. And you <laughs> definitely, uh, as we've talked about today, 
have deep concerns about some elements of the free speech thing. And I think a lot of these things are going to go into place where I think they will be reasonable to some people who are not just Nazis and right-wing lunatics. But I think you will you will not like it. But I think it will get worse and then it will start to get better, is how I suspect. Uh, the, uh, and, and to be clear, I don't want both sides of this. Yeah, I would like there to be an edit button. Yeah, I'd like the APIs to be open. Um, yeah, I'd like people to write their own Twitter clients. Those are all good things. But yeah. I don't want to say Musk might do good things and might do bad things because I do not want all that techie stuff if the price is Nazis. No. That is a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, if you don't do that, cool. I'd like the edit button thing. That'd be great. And I'd like open APIs, please. And um, maybe Federation Syndication. I have warmed up my Mastodon account again, just on the off chance. But I, I don't yeah. care anymore about expecting loads of people to go over there and whatever. It's just, you know, I, I, people don't call Twitter a hell site for a joke. <laughs> um, I, I, I kind of feel like if it was suddenly not part of my life, I'd be like, huh, okay. And I'd spend a few months looking at my phone every day and there'd be like a little jape which says, you don't look at Twitter anymore. And I'd go, oh yeah, I don't look at Twitter anymore. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. I feel like if it was suddenly not there, if Musk bought it and then just shut it down, for example, right? Like, like, uh, AOL doing Netscape. Um, uh, if he bought it and then spent, lol, it, for jokes, I'm just shutting it all down now. I'd be like, oh no, what do I do now? But I don't, I don't know that I'd miss it. And I feel like it would therefore be relatively easy if it, if it goes a bit more in the direction that you're suggesting, Jono, which you are correct in categorizing as a direction I would not like. I don't think I'd find it all that difficult to move away. And maybe that's the answer. Everyone, I mean, I feel like I would be missing out, but fine. If it becomes a watered down version of truth.social, then all right. I think, I think you should prepare for it because I think your objection is going to be there's going to be people on the platform you don't want to be on there. I, I, I think what's important though, because something we said earlier, I don't think it's actually the truth. We were like, you know, it affects uh, mankind. But I don't think it does. It doesn't have anywhere near as many users, even as Instagram, let alone Facebook. What it's got is influential and media people on Twitter. And I don't know if it stays influential and media if half of them leave. Right. Uh, No, I don't think so. I don't know. I think it's in the zeitgeist of of, of humanity. Um, Jeremy, I know you need to go, but... Uh, what do you think? Quickly, Jeremy. Yes. I know you've got to get going onto another phone call and whatever else, but B- given your two answers, I'm going to go contrarian here and say that the deal doesn't close. Oh, you don't think it'll even happen? What will stop it? So I think given where the economy is and the mar- the margins on this are thin, and he's put up more mo- – the promise for more money than is typical for an LBO. Like usually an LBO, you're somewhere in between 20 and 30% in. He's like over 70% in, which means he has – He doesn't has, care though, right? He, he doesn't care right up until the fact that he has to care, right? And if, if Tesla stock goes near 700 in the next month, which I don't think is unrealistic given where we are, I, I think it – I think it falls apart. He pays the billion and walks, which then leaves Twitter in a really weird position. And from there, I don't know what happens to Twitter. But um. but he he would choose to walk because he wouldn't have the money. 
at some point he won't have the money, given how it's structured. To take out a margin loan, you need something with that margin. And if you don't have it, then the bank says no. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. But but the point is, he's not electing to give up on this deal. He would still want to do it. He just wouldn't have the money to do so. I mean, he's a little bit capricious, so I, he could also just give up on it. But in, <laughs> in the scenario I'm predicting, no, it would not necessarily be all his choice. It would be just economic right. conditions didn't warrant it. I mean, that would almost be disappointing because then we'd be denied the opportunity to work out whether it would find whether it would work out or not. It was just prevented by the vagaries of the market. <laughs> I mean, I, I, regardless of what happens, in six months we're having the show again with what a hundred percent. So I look forward to that. Yes, yes. Okay, so um, we should uh, we should wind this up. Um, I want to say uh, very quickly um, thank you to Marius Quarbeck for yes. the show. Marius from NerdZoom Media. Um, because he's great. He is. He's wonderful. Go, go, go to him if you need, um, podcast work or audio editing or anything like that done. He's been great. Um, and yeah, send us a message on Twitter while you still can at Bad Voltage. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. It was a pleasure. Peace out, everyone. Mm-hmm.